WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Will Le'Veon Bell report Monday? Some of his teammates say he will. Bell says that's fake news. Can James Conner fill the void if Bell is temporarily unavailable? No, he can't. But one thing to make real clear is that Lev Bell wasn't very good last year. Too many people babble on about Bell being the best running back in football. But he was not even close to that last year. And by not even close, I mean not even close. Bell averages four yards per carry. That's the line of demarcation for average among football running backs. Four yards per carry, so Bell was average. He ranked 24th in the league in yards per carry. Average. Bell averaged 7.7 yards per catch. That ranked him 17th in the NFL among running backs. Average. Bell stooges like to point at the raw numbers. Bell was third in rushing yards. He had 406 touches. But like the legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden said, don't confuse activity with achievement. Bell had just three rushes of 20 yards or more. Bell wasn't a game breaker. He wasn't a match winner. Bell stooges like to make excuses too. Well, he showed up late and started slow. That's true. But Bell showed up late of his own volition. Oh, if you throw out four of the first five games, Bell had a great year. Okay, but you don't get to throw out those games. They count too, especially considering the Steelers lost two of them. Bell won't be very good in 2018. And by the time he leaves, the Steelers will be well rid of him and look smart for not giving Bell the money he wanted. Sick Again brought to you by CW... Wait, no, wrong sponsor. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. I often find myself wondering, if I did kick the bucket while I was still on the air, and let's hope it's not while I'm literally on the air, would there be like a memorial show for me? And how big of a number would that drop? I think it would do very well. I'm always reminded of when I worked for WCW, and every single wrestler and announcer, creative guy, crew member, lighting, you name it, everybody was on the sing- a single plane, a big charter. And we flew through an electrical storm like an almost famous. The plane was bouncing all over the place. It was dropping hundreds of feet at a time on a moment's notice. Women were crying. Men who I know for a fact don't believe in God were praying. And Macho Man Randy Stavage stood up and said, Ooh, yeah, don't worry, boys. Just think about the big rating the tribute show is going to pop on Monday. Ooh, yeah. And we made it through. I was going to, I almost did the almost famous thing and sing Peggy. No, wait, almost famous. I was going to like sing Freebird. But uh, I didn't because Goldberg was sitting right behind me and he wasn't taking real well to any humor at that point. 412-333-9939. Uh, Back to Le'Veon Bell, and I, I want your thought. I want somebody to admit that Lev Bell didn't have a great year last year, or convince me that he did, but he didn't. So you can't. 
You shouldn't be surprised if the Steelers are better next season without Bell. But that's if they draft a running back. If they just stick with James Conner as the number one back, they will not be better. And I've got a feeling that's what they may do. They're too high on Conner. You know what really hurt Bell last year? Bell's timing at the line of scrimmage wasn't great. It started off bad, never really caught up. That that tap dancing thing he does, it, it didn't work, and maybe that's because he showed up late. I agreed with Bell showing up late last year, and I do again this year. But I can't ignore the damage done. Uh, we spoke earlier, teammates totally empathize with Bell. They have no problem until he misses games. If he does that, as James Harrison insinuates he should, maybe then they have a problem. And the fans will totally crucify Le'Veon Bell if he misses even one game. Now, that said, Bell already has a persecution complex. He kind of wallows in playing the victim and being the villain, so I don't think the potential PR backlash for missing a game would cause him to miss a game. And I don't think he'll throw that 855K game check out the window, not even for the first week. But uh, he did say the reports of him coming to the facility Monday, Labor Day, he said that's fake news. I really do wonder what the reaction would be if he no-showed week one. From the players and the fans, even the reaction from the Steelers organization, would they at that point consider, even think about, rescinding the franchise tag with Le'Veon Bell? And if they did that, boy, that would financially wreck him for this year, sure, because who really has the money to give Bell what he wants, you know, as the season starts? I, I'm sure some teams do that are way under the cap, but they're way under the cap for a reason, because they're not very good, and they're looking to the long run. Let's go to John in Green Tree. John, you're on a Mark Madden show. John, you're on the air. John would appear to have put me on hold. If if what he had if what we had up here on the uh, collar board was an indication, he wanted to make the argument that men's pecs and abs are also erogenous zones. To which I would have responded, "Don't I know it?" Let's go to Mark in Georgia. Mark, you're on with Double M. What's going on, Mark? How are you, brother? Hi, Mark. Hey, man. You know, Le'Veon's not that good of a back, man. You know. Well, not, now you see, that's not what I said. That's not. What All I said was he didn't have a great year last year, and he's likely to not have one this year because the circumstances are almost exactly repeating. And you throw in the fact that he has one foot out the door when he does finally show up. He still doesn't pass the eye test, Mark. He's not a home run hitter. Doesn't pass the eye test. Yeah, home run. Yeah, he's not a home run hitter, Mark. He is. Your, your great backs are going to run 80 yards to get that 80 or 90 yard touchdown. He doesn't do it. That happens that's, so rarely in today's league by, by any back. Even though that's today's league, he's still not up there with the great ones. For that, well, I, I didn't say he was Jim Brown. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying either. But I want a home run hitter. He's not a home run hitter. Yeah, yeah, bro. Honestly, you're really, really nitpicking. 
he's, he's a very good. You see, this is what always happens with uh, with with people. Thank you for the call. <clears throat> you know, you, you criticize somebody, and then people call up to criticize them too, and kind of pile on. But then their criticism is totally flawed. I agree that Bell could have had more long carries last year. But he still is a very good running back who has been a home run hitter in seasons past. One stat with him that was very telling, though, was that he did have only the the three carries of 20 yards or more. That said, that was way down across the league. Go back 10 years, guys had 20, 25 carries of over 20 yards or more. Uh, Last year, the leader in that category was 12. Kareem Hunt and Shady McCoy. And as far as carries for over 40 yards or more, the leader had four. A Powell from the New York Jets. So, again, don't go off the deep end with dumb, lame criticism. Okay, I'm going back. Here's like kind of randomly here. Okay, 2009. Carries 20 yards or more. Chris Johnson from Tennessee led with 22. He had seven carries of 40 yards or over. That said, he was the exception to the rule, but a, but a lot of guys were in double figures. Seven guys in double figures. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you're on with double M. Mark, you think um, Bell will fade by by going to another team later, like Santonio, Plexico? Well, now hold on. With Santonio and Plexico, you're talking uh, about about minor talents compared to Le'Veon Bell. You really are. I understand. And you're talking about that. a different position as well. I understand that, but they all faded late after they left. Do I think Le'Veon Bell will go to a team? and not accomplish as much individually or as a team? Yes, I do, because I think he'll go someplace like the Jets, and they'll stink and won't win. But he will not regret that at all, and do you know why? Money. Yeah, he is in this only to get paid. And if that's his perspective, honestly, he's played everything the right way. Unless he blows out a knee this year. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on with Mark. Hey, Double M, I just wanted to bring up the point that, you know, there have been great Super Bowl winning teams that had, you know, top caliber running backs, but there have been plenty of teams that had awesome running backs that not only didn't win the Super Bowl, but didn't make the playoffs. And so it's an economic decision for the Steelers that they're going to have going forward, and and they're going to make a choice about whether or not Le'Veon Bell merits the number that he wants. I mean, you've said that for a long time, but Pittsburgh fans just can't get it. They'll turn on him. Unless he wins a Super Bowl this year, they'll turn on him. Yeah, I mean... And I think they've turned on him to some degree already. Well, I think they're sick of his antics. And, and he, he, he underperformed a little last year, but he still had a terrific season you know, you know, last year. No, he didn't have a terrific season, brah. He had... He yeah, had he, his yards per catch and yards per carry were the second worst of his career. Yards per carry was 24th in the league. Yards per catch was 17th among running backs. Come on, bro. That's a mediocre season at best. Was he the reason that they um, lost when they did? That's an entirely different argument. But the analysis to whether 
No, no, no. It's an entirely different argument. But whether you need him in order to achieve a Super Bowl win is an analysis that you have to undertake. And I don't think No, it's not an analysis you have to undertake. What happens, happens. Like you said, plenty of teams have won Super Bowls without star running backs. The Philadelphia Eagles won last year with the committee. Plenty of teams have won Super Bowls with mediocre quarterbacks. Doug Williams, Trent Dilfer, the list goes on and on. Whoever wins, wins, and then we could parse their components afterwards. But the Steelers need Le'Veon Bell this year to have have the best chance. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, they need a productive Le'Veon Bell, and I don't think they're going to get it. You know what? Let's say Le'Veon Bell produces about half of what he should. He'll still do better than James Conner at his best. Well, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point to make. I mean, but that, you know, this comes back to the fundamental problem of, in the long run, the Steelers are not going to sign Le'Veon Bell because he is not worth to this team what he wants in salary. They just were never going to sign Le'Veon Bell because they don't guarantee to anybody the type of money he wants. Thank you for the call. Okay, I got to go because I got to have a sneezing fit. But I'll be back with more. And Mike pursued at the bottom of the hour. Now the sneezing fit subsided. We better get Crowley on the phone. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I'll throw that person off the stage. Uh, hey, Mark, love the show. I'll be here for you, just like you've always been here for me. VX at 105.9. Clint Dempsey retired. He's a U.S. soccer's all-time leading scorer. Uh... He had a good career by U.S.-born player standards, but I'm sorry. If Clint Dempsey's your all-time leading scorer, uh, that says a lot about you as a soccer nation. Uh, oh, A.B. tweeted. See, I get stuff like this like because A.B. blocks me on Twitter, as does Le'Veon Bell. A.B. tweeted 18 hours ago, congrats on the contract, OBJ3. That, of course, is Odell Beckham Jr., you set your own value and made sure you got what's yours. Proud of your brother. You deserve every one of your blessings. Now that's what he says in public. That's what he tweets. We got Mike Pursuta at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Greg and Sheraton. Greg, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Good. Hey, I want to just explain something with the yards per carry and how insignificant and misconstrued. No, it's it's not insignificant. How on earth could that be insignificant? Well, the, the major gauge of a good running back is moving the chains and hitting pay dirt. Uh, just like, and I want to say. Real scientific stuff. Moving the chains well, and hitting pay dirt. Now, now I, have right. the, I have the stats up right now, last year's NFL rushing leaders. Okay. I don't see a category for moving chains, hitting pay dirt. Well, I think although Jerome I guess touchdowns can be construed as pay dirt. Well, I think Jerome Bettis was the last back to make the Hall of Fame for the Steelers, and he was three point nine, and you wrote him constantly about. And that I three still yards. don't think he should have made the Hall of Fame. You know why? Because yeah. he averaged three point nine yards per carry. How many Whipple ballers are in the Hall of Fame? I don't even know what that means. I guess you resorted to stupid stuff because you were. Soundly beaten in an argument by a man who is by far your intellectual superior to say nothing of financially, socially, genetically, every which way. Let's go to Chad. Chad, you're on with Double M. Double M, good day. What up? I just wanted to bring to light 
Um, how good is it to just have uh, Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, play by play, to keep like the defense honest to the run, to the pass? That that's a real to, good point, Chad. That's a real good point for for those out there who think the Steelers could do as well with James Conner at running back. The other defense would not give Connor really nearly the same respect they would give Le'Veon Bell, and that would make things tougher on Ben and on Brown, the Steelers' passing game in general. I agree. I, I mean, just I would I would assume the defense is going to put a lot of time in the in the tapes and and different kind of coverage screen, or scenes that no 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 Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon there's Bell no disputing there. his talent. Le'Veon Bell is a great receiver out of the backfield. He's excellent at picking up the blitz. As a blocker, he's the total package. It's just last year when he came and joined the team late, which he had every right to do, but when he joined the team late, he never quite caught up, and he certainly started bad. This year, the same thing may easily happen, only worse because he's already got one foot out the door. I agree. Thank you for the call. Good call. Now, that was a good call. Let's go to Harry in Westview. Harry, you're on with Double M. Yes, Mark. How are you? What up? Um, I was looking over st- statistics, and as I see it, you can read them different ways. And I don't see how you can call someone mediocre who was first in rushing and receiving yards, second in, in the fantasy he, he, kind he of wasn't, way of well, fa- Okay, fantasy doesn't matter at all. If you get your rocks up, if you, because it doesn't. Because they're not playing That's fantasy football week one at Cleveland. No, you're wrong. Fantasy football has nothing to do with this. And you're a moron if you think it does. And what about his being third? So someone who's mediocre is first in rushing receiving and third. What do you mean first in rushing and receiving? What do you mean? Totally. That's what mediocre was like C minus. What, what now hold like on. C minus to me. You know what? Okay, Mr. Fantasy. Are you done talking now? Uh, I guess so. It's always up to you. That's right. And don't you forget it. He, he, he did everything based on quantity. He had 406 touches. His yards per carry and yards per catch were each the second worst mark set in his career. Like John Wooden Is that said. mediocre by league standards? I thought you were done talking. Then like, why would like, I stay on the line if I'm done talking? You're right. See ya. Like John Wooden said, the great UCLA coach, don't confuse activity with achievement. Le'Veon Bell ranked 24th in the league in yards per carry and 17th in the league in yards per catch among running backs. Those aren't good figures. Now, sure, the numbers piled up because he got a lot of activity, like I said. But but basically, Lev Bell was a workhorse back, and that's it. A workhorse back, and that's it. Not a match winner. Like, only three carries of 20 yards or more? That guy who just called, man, I, I bet he takes KY Jelly and rubber gloves to his fantasy draft. And I hope he drafts Bell this year, and I hope Bell ruins his team. Up next, from the DV Morning Show. You know, I was on the DV Morning Show today, and it was just me, Val, and Mike. We should have taped that and just played that again today. But instead, we'll have Mike Pursuta on live in just a few moments on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I am the voice of the voiceless. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just a thought. What, what the hell are you talking about? The X at 105.9. Joining me now... Having survived the siege at Sharkies up at Latrobe during Steelers training camp from the DVE morning show, we're going to talk Steelers with Mike Pursuta. Uh, Triv Bell says 
that the report that he will show up Monday at Steelers headquarters is fake news. What do you hear? I hear nothing. I've tried to hear nothing. Uh, all the Steelers are saying is that, uh, and all they have said since day one is they expect him to show up for week one. Uh, if he doesn't, then we'll respond accordingly. But uh, second time around here with this stuff, it bores me, Mark. Uh, it'll be a huge story if he's not there next week. But I can wait till then. Let's say he doesn't show up next week. What would the reaction be organizationally and in the locker room? You know, they say they they uh, have a plan B. You know, that's one of the reasons they gave Connor as many carries as he did. But uh, I, I think it would be uh, they'd be stunned. Uh, they would be perplexed. And uh, I think his teammates are with him to this point, Mark, because, you know, they all kind of look at it as, there, but for the grace of God, go I in search of the almighty dollar. And, you know, next time it might be me trying to get every dime I can get. Uh, usually guys are supported by uh, teammates in the locker room in contract situations. But if you start missing games that count, that, uh, that's a whole different uh, subject now. What do you expect from Bell in terms of conditioning and attitude? Conditioning, I expect him to be in uh, great non-football shape. Uh, attitude, I think he'll... Uh, He'll be going after it. And I think what we're going to probably see is the way it played out last year. Uh, he's not going to be lights out for the first uh, couple, three weeks. He'll come around eventually. What I'm interested to see is how often they replace him in the early going if he is less than his best, which I expect him to be. Uh, they do have uh, a reasonable option in Connor. I also think that uh, Stephen Ridley, uh, he came back to practice yesterday. He's a veteran guy who's done it in the league. They only ran the ball 14 times in Cleveland last year, mostly because Bell wasn't very good, and they didn't really have an option uh, in the opening game. But uh, I think they have a couple. Now, they're not as good as Bell, but they have a couple credible options at least. And uh, that would be interesting to see how Le'Veon Bell reacts to that as well. Will Bell embrace a big workload, you know, 406 touches like last year, or will he want to preserve his body for free agency? No, I think he's been doing this a long time. They, uh, he got monster carries at Michigan State. He's got monster carries and touches when he's healthy here. I think he, uh, he's always said he conditions himself to take the highest workload possible. And I think he, I think he likes it. Uh, I think he is one of those guys that, that gets better as the game goes on, the more he's involved. And I think he looks at it as, uh, you know, a tremendous validation of what he can do when they keep turning to him. So I don't, I don't think he's, going to be looking to free agency. I really don't. Uh, I, I think once they start playing, he's going to play, and then uh, you know things will go the course that I believe everybody thinks they'll go in March. Is it just me, or do a lot of people overrate James Conner, including the Steelers? You know, I, I, I think uh, a lot of people are overrating him. I'm not sure the Steelers are. When we talked to Randy Feekner about him yesterday, he was trying to steer the conversation away from the uh, Connor can take Bell's carries, can't he? Sort of narrative. Uh, he talked about Le'Veon Bell as a guy in a class by himself or in a class of very few. Uh, none of the few are also employed by the Steelers. So I, I think they know what they have in Bell, and I think they know what they have in Connor. Uh, the, the fortunate thing for them is they also have Antonio Brown, and they also have Juju Smith Schuster. So they can get it done a couple ways. Is B.J. Finney better than Ramon Foster right now? I hear a lot of people say that, Triv. And if that's so, why not start Finney? You know, I think he's at least as good, Mark. And if you look back uh, in the last couple of years at the huge games Le'Veon Bell's had, 
Finneysman in there and not Foster. But you do need depth, and I think uh, at this point of their two careers, uh, Foster has been a fixture at left guard for so long. Uh, I don't know how he'd do on the right side. I don't know how he would do at center. Uh, Finney is uh, well-versed at playing all three of those interior positions. So they might be a little better with Finney than Foster, but I think they're a whole lot better with uh, Finney coming off the bench than they would be with Foster. Are the Steelers happy with Chooks as the primary backup tackle, even though he's a rookie? And what have your initial impressions have been of that young man? You know, they might not have a choice because uh, there usually aren't a lot of tackles um, available. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough position, and people usually don't get rid of them if they have any kind of potential. It, uh, I think it was an indication that they weren't doing backflips when they picked up uh, Zach Banner on waivers a couple of weeks ago. It's like 6'9", 360 pounds. He's been with a couple teams, and you know that he was available tells you where his NFL career has gone since USC. So I think they were still in the uh, explore any and all options mode, but uh, they have played him on both sides. Uh, they've, they've played him as the, the Chris Hubbard, the extra tackle, extra tight end type hybrid role with the running game. We saw a little of that last game. And I haven't seen a lot of abject failures in the preseason games for what that's worth. We're talking to Mike Pursuta of the DVE Morning Show. Ringing endorsement, huh? <laughs> well, it's about what I expected. I mean, Seriously, a rookie tackle, flip-flopping from left to right, isn't that about the best you can realistically expect, Triv? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's not uh, – I wouldn't consider that a comfortable situation if I was the Steelers, but that's the situation that they're in because of the injury to uh, Gerald Hawkins. Uh, you know, what do you think the odds are that uh, Marcus Gilbert and Alejandro Villanueva get through the entire season unscathed? I don't, I don't think they're very high. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to deal with it if and when they have to. How long till Vance McDonald can play? What do you hear about his injury? And how would his absence in, in games affect how they use the tight end? Well, I, I hear nothing because Mike Tomlin says little, if uh, anything, about injuries in the preseason. I can tell you he got hurt the day after Ramon Foster did at training camp, the same day that T.J. Watt got hurt. I think that was the fourth practice. But... We, we, at, at Latrobe, he was visible walking around the field. He's in, involved in the huddles. Uh, he's watching the reps and, and doing the mental reps thing. Uh, he's, he's been there. He, he doesn't appear to be damaged in any way, but he hasn't been practicing. So uh, we'll get a lot of clarity on this stuff next week, but I do think they have been uh, monitoring and uh, protecting slash uh, shelving a lot of guys just to keep them out of the preseason. Which injured players are, are likely to miss week one at Cleveland? I, I know there's not a lot of information out there, like you just said, but uh, are there any hunches you'd like to play? I'm, you know, I talked to I talked to Xavier Grimble a couple days ago. He said he's going to be good to go. He had thumb surgery, but but he said he was close to returning uh, and that he could play with a cast. Uh, we just talked about McDonald. Let's you know the tight ends uh, when Jesse James got hurt the other night. The top three tight ends were all hurt, but. Uh, you may have all three of them available. Morgan Burnett has practiced infrequently. Uh, Bud Dupree, for what this is worth, said he thinks Burnett will be back for uh, the Cleveland game. Uh, Dupree also said that uh, Mike Hilton, the nickelback, he hasn't been around lately. He doesn't, Dupree didn't think Hilton would play against Carolina, but he thought he would be available for uh, Cleveland. I know Bud Dupree's not the defensive coordinator, Mark, and he might not be the greatest source, but... <laughs> But he's one that was talking, so that's what I got for you. How's that? 
No, no, no. And and and, and honestly, uh, I don't uh, know the fund has a medical degree. Is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, but, but oftentimes guys like that will spill the beans. So maybe that's good information. Uh, the defense looked pretty good against Tennessee. Trip. What were the primary factors there? Uh, I just think that Cam Hayward is such a catalyst every time he plays. He is, but I think you also saw Stephon to it. Yes. Uh, for the first time in a long time, looked like Stephon to it. That's even dating back to last year. He played through an injury last year, a couple injuries, but he wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, you don't necessarily blame him for that, but it does not lessen uh, the urgency for him to have a much better year. He knows that. They know that. Uh, the strength in our defense has to be Hayward and to it and the two outside linebackers, uh, T.J. Watt and Dupree. That's where they have the star potential, the, the high-end potential. And if you get that, the rest of it has a chance to work. Uh, they need they need to stop the run, and they need to get the pressure so they have a fighting chance on the back end. Uh, to it, uh, you know, the impression I got watching him this preseason was he was kind of coasting his way through. He just wanted to make sure he was going to get through it healthy and uh, he didn't really care uh, about anything else i asked him about that after the tennessee game he said no that was not the case he's been working he always wants to do well uh he seems like a pretty uh, conscientious kid and we've seen him have uh some monster games in the past but hayward was all pro last year they need to with the challenge for all pro this year and hayward to do the same now i agree i think the front three and the outside backers have to excel and if they do yeah the rest could take care of itself in that vein What's your take on Bostic and Williams, the combination at inside backer? You know, lukewarm at best. Uh, <laughs> I think all this talk about seven defensive backs, and uh, granted much of it's been coming from me, but that's because it's a reflection of what I think of the inside backers. Uh, the only really you know definable skill that I see with those two guys is Vince Williams had, I think, eight sacks last year, and he seems to have developed an affinity to rush the passer, which can help. But, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, DDs playing linebacker-type roles, and uh, they're talking about uh, different packages. They even threw Matthew Thomas, the undrafted rookie from Florida State, into the mix in Tennessee. They had a little specialty package where he was an inside linebacker and uh, Williams moved out to a pass-rushing position on the end. Uh, they're trying to figure it out, Mark. Uh, it's not conventional uh, relative to what they've done in the past, but, uh, they know that that wasn't good enough, and uh, I think they're acknowledging by all this experimentation and and talk about doing it differently this year. They're acknowledging that uh, the way they've done it in the past ain't going to work because they don't have the personnel anymore. Specifically, they don't have number 50. Hargrave reportedly hasn't looked great. Does that open the door for McCullers at nose tackle? How do you think that'll iron itself out? I think McCullers did enough to make the team this year. Um I'll credit him for that. I was stunned that uh, he was even re-signed. Uh, he's shown almost nothing in his time here other than being incredibly massive. But he, he still doesn't make plays. He looks like he's getting after it more now. I think he can be your sixth defensive lineman. But uh, I think Hargrave's the guy, and I think he has shown enough ability as a playmaker. He's not a traditional nose tackle, but uh, he's pretty disruptive more often than not. I, I, I like him as a guy who can progress and get better are they yet comfortable with sean davis at free safety and that's his third position uh by my count nickel then strong then free yeah they seem to be looking for something he can do right uh, <laughs> is this it uh, well i mean you're about out of options after this maybe it'll, maybe it'll be the new mike vrabel that's able to put on a bunch of weight and be an outside linebacker 
the company line is that uh, he can go sideline to sideline, and he's a good enough tackler that he can get guys on the ground. Uh, Keith Butler's been banging that drum all preseason. Uh, he is referenced often, Butler has, that uh, when they've had a really good defense, they've had a really good free safety because the free safety keeps uh, a 15-yard run from becoming a 55-yard run, and he keeps a 15- or 20-yard completion from becoming a touchdown. Uh, stay tuned. Hasn't played a whole lot. It is a different position, different angles, different amount of uh, responsibility there. Uh, there was one encouraging play in that Titans game, the, the interception that Terrell Edmonds got. Edmonds talked about seeing Sean Davis behind him covering the deep part of the route, so Edmonds felt comfortable about cutting, uh, undercutting it and going for the ball to try to make a play, and the pass was for because Bud Dupree had gotten pressure and flushed Mariota. So uh, we have seen occasionally that it, it, it can work the way they draw it up, but uh, you know, consistency is, is a big factor for this defense, as well as the first unit played against Tennessee, and it played pretty well most of the time. Uh, there was a play on the first Titans drive. I don't know if people will remember this, but third and eight from the Tennessee 48, and Corey Davis was wide open down the middle of the field, and uh, the ball ended up being uh, underthrown. The pass wasn't completed, but that should have been a 52-yard touchdown. Uh, Keith Butler said that uh, they didn't blow the coverage. They just played it very, very poorly. This defense has had a habit of just hemorrhaging big plays. And, you, you know, you can do a lot of good work and, and you give up a big touchdown. And what, what, did it, what did all that good work matter? Finally, Triv, cliched question to wrap things up. I got a poll up on Twitter. What do you think? How many games will the Steelers win? Yeah, I saw that. I like the 10 1, 10 or 11. Was that, was that an option? Uh, it was 12 or more. Yeah, 10 and 11. You yeah, picked 10 or 11. Yeah, I, I think they're going to they're gonna be. Uh, a team that's got to figure it out uh, as they go along to a degree. I think they won a lot of close games last year, and they might not be able to do that again this year. Uh, you know, 13 wins, 10 wins, whatever gets you in the playoffs. Uh, if they can get the bye, great. But uh, getting in the playoffs healthy and, and understanding what they can and can't do, uh, they were neither last year, and uh, it ended up being a disaster. Trev, is always a pleasure. Good job. Yeah, it was nice talking to you again, Mark. Let's do it again tomorrow. <laughs> That's Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show. Up next, going to talk to Bob McLaughlin, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, your thoughts on James Harrison speculating that Lev Bell might not show up for week one and saying he might be better off showing up after week 10, thus participating minimally and burning his commitment to the Steelers. Well, he also says that, you know, I I think he kind of wrapped that around saying each weekly paycheck isn't going to be worth what he's going to get after this year if he protects himself. But that's 10 weeks he's talking about. That's 10 weeks of 850,000. Um, I don't see it happening. And I think that maybe... I don't either, but what about one week? What about two weeks? I don't see that happening either. Uh, I mean, I, James Harrison might be just... What, what What about Bell saying that the story that he would report Monday is fake news? Because Monday's Labor Day, he might just be toying. He might be nitpicking. He might be there tomorrow or he Friday. He might just like yelling fake news. Yeah, he might like just saying that. A lot or of idiots just, like to do that. 
or he just might be the one who wants to control the message. I mean, he, he sounds egotistical enough with some of the other stuff that we've seen over the summer or over the last two years of him holding out where he wants to control the message. Maybe he shows up Friday. Maybe he actually goes into the offices on Saturday. Maybe it's not Monday and he gets a good laugh out of it, but he's with the Steelers week one. Uh, what if Bell wouldn't show for week one? What if he missed the game against the Bronze, the opener? Uh, How would the locker room react? How would the fans react? How would the Steelers organization react? I think let's go with locker room first. I think that there would absolutely be a rumble through that locker room as to why he's not there for week one. I agree with you and Mike Prezuta just talked about. There's one thing for you to make, you know, plant your flag for your business case and for you to make the money that you want to make with your deal. It's another to turn your back on the team and let your teammates hanging by not being there the first week and and not being part of said team, especially when you know that that window is going to be closing in the next couple of seasons and that this is a strong one to get back to the Super Bowl, you can't miss that first week. You can't take that extra step making yourself that far removed from the team. Uh, I tend to think that's correct, but I don't know if he thinks like that. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think he is going to show up, but Harrison raised an interesting possibility, and, and I do think, I think he'll be there for week one. But I think if he's on a pace to get 406 touches again, I think he will somehow rebel against that. Whether complaining to the media, complaining to the coach, you know, they trying to wear me out, trying to take away from my marketability. I think that will become an issue because I think Le'Veon Bell is playing for him this year, period. You know, it's it's funny, Mark, uh, listening to you and Mike there, I know Mike knows his background from Michigan State. I know he talks with him all the time over the last number of seasons. Um you make a good point on that because, look, this is everything for Lev Bell. He's going to cash in now. He wants to be healthy. He wants to be perfect. But he also has to have a resume for this year when he goes into his uh, deal-making next year. Mike says that he thinks he's going to be, you know, ready to go, that he's going to put every, you know, the best foot forward, that he's going to want the ball more and more because that's just him. So if I'm going to guess one side or the other right now, I would go with Mike only because – that's the way Lev Bell has played over the last number of seasons with the Steelers. Um, but I'm look, it's crazy times right now over him sitting out two years. And I agree with your part where you said he's one foot out the door. So this year is a bit different. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I, and I buy into that. Um, I just feel like when it comes to Le'Veon Bell's final season, something real goofy is going to happen. I'm not sure what it is, but something real goofy is going to happen. Well, I think the end of that argument comes down to how he does the first few weeks. If he starts off gangbusters, much better than he did last year when he returned, you know, a week uh, before the season started, uh, and everything is good, I think he'll be fine and he'll push the pedal to the metal for the rest of the season. If he comes back, Mark, and has a bad four or five week start where he's the average back, the numbers that you've been given all show, um, I can see gloom and doom coming down and that he, he you know, he's not going to want the ball as much. Things are going to backpedal a little bit and he'll be more concerned about what's happening next year with this than with the season underway. Real quick, Bob, do you agree with my analysis that last year was not a great season for Bell? Sure. I, yeah, I do. Just, I think the numbers tell that story. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. I'm Mark Madden. Up next. Going to talk about the one guy you just don't quote. And J.D. Martinez, the Boston Red Sox, quoted him anyway. That's 30 seconds away on 105.90X.